0: Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. So I hope you've had a good week. We here at Rolling Stone have a new cover story. It's on Ed Sheeran to discuss that cover story and to discuss the the very phenomenon of Ed Sheeran, uh, w- one of the biggest pop stars of our time. We have Patrick Doyle, who wrote the cover story. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Brian. And Brittany Spanos. What's hey. up? Um, and so, Patrick, you spent like what? Like five years with Ed Sheeran (laughs) to report this story. I mean, I will say this that's very interesting is people, as someone who writes Rolling Stone cover stories myself, and I see people who used to do this for a living or people who don't really read celebrity profiles being like, oh, back in the day, people would spend days with the artist, but now it's 20 minutes in a hotel room Mm -hmm. with a publicist. You hear that over and over again. Mm-hmm. That may be true from time to time for other publications or other situations, but for Rolling Stone Features, that is not what we do. We still spend uh, amazing amounts of time with people. And um, in this case, Patrick, you sort of you sort of replicated the movie almost famous in uh-huh. a way, although you're not 16. Uh, but other than that, I mean, you were basically kidnapped by Ed Sheeran, <laughs> right? I mean, we didn't see you for a really long time. Yeah, and I didn't expect that to happen. Um, you know, no one, no one ever <laughs> expects to be kidnapped by Ed Sheeran. I mean, that's yeah. Go the
1: uh, I, I met up with him actually uh, at, at the Atlantic Records office. And the first words he said to me was like, uh, "So you drink, right?" <laughs> and he said, um, "Good, because uh, I've never had a number one before. So we're going to have a, a boozy weekend." Um, so he was in you know celebration mode, which helped, and he was in a really good good mood because he had you know worked for. for five years uh, ever since he signed to the label to have a number one uh, song and a number one album so he was really happy and we I just kind of hung up went to London and stayed at his house with him he let me sleep in the guest bedroom and I've never I know that Rolling Stone usually gets a lot of access but I've never had anything like that like I did I went to London for a Sam Smith story and it was it was difficult, you know. We had to get pulled aside by the publicist sometimes, and you know, say Sam doesn't really want to do anything right now, and so <laughs> it was. So this was the complete opposite because you know we were at SNL, and we, and, and he let me just stay in the dressing room with him for from um, rehearsal through the show. It was like six hours, and he, he um d- it didn't seem to bother him, and in, in a, so he made it, it made it a much better story with the more access that that he gave me, obviously.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, some people some people like their lives to be chronicled and that's, yeah. uh, I've certainly experienced that you know um, but it, it's uh, he I think what's interesting here is that he just really wanted to party with you a lot yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he likes to do that all the time I mean going to the, the even in uh, the song Shape of You he said the club isn't the best place to find loves so the bar is where I go and every single song um or not, 50% of his it's songs it's
0: such a stupid distinction I'm sorry but go on yeah. yeah
1: yeah they like to go he likes to go to the the pub and it's a big part of the culture where he grew up and all his friends do it they go it's it's part of your daily routine uh to go with your mates to the pub so um so it, and he just he, he enjoys it he likes to shoot the shit and Hang out, and so he's he's just he he felt like a, a friend kind of, so it helped that that helped the whole process. And usually, you want to be careful of that with a story. But yes, you do. Yeah. But but it it helped because um he, he there was a, a trust thing that went on as well, you know. But but I was a you know I, I don't think I pulled pu- you know pulled punches or anything. So I, I think it. it well, it that worked. is
0: that is of course the uh the the crux of the almost famous dilemma, right? Um, so it exactly uh, played uh, out that way. So so you you you, d- you don't. Um, and it does happen. I mean, uh, you know, in, in the end, um, in the end, the story has to rule. yeah, uh, and the readers have to rule. But you, you did get caught in that thing where you you, mm-hmm. you felt a little bit of allegiance to him and you had to, to work through that, I think.
1: Yeah, that it took it took a while to write the story because I was trying to find the right way to say it because he's he's a complicated person. I didn't want it to make it sound Is he? <laughs> yeah, he he is. I mean, the
0: initial thing If few Are you sure he's a complicated person? I think he is. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What? what I mean in all seriousness like what what's complicated about him? Cuz he seems like a guy who has a And I'm I'm saying this honestly, he seems like a guy who has a, an intuitive gift for writing mm-hmm. melodies. Yeah. Not much of a lyrical gift. Mm-hmm. And then is just like a regular dude who likes to drink, which is interesting but not complicated. So what for for you is complicated? Um he's he 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 likes to drink a lot so the, I didn't want that the story to come out to come
1: out like he was he was like just an alcoholic because it he really does have strict rules for himself. He never would do it before a show. He's incredibly driven you know he he said you know that he was going to he has all these rules that he makes for himself these goals like i'm going to do 3 nights at Wembley Stadium and people i talked to other people and they said no he said that 3 years ago he makes you know he knew his record was going to be 5 albums in a row divide multiply plus he, he's incredibly driven he um also has a, a complicated relationship with with fame you know he he took a year off before this album and traveled around and quit social media and everything and it wasn't just a move you know it it, it was you know, he found a drone in his garden, and he was he's freaked out by that. So he's—he—he he is a—you know his relationship with fame, his ambition, the drinking all mixed together um, made it more of an interesting story than just a guy who likes to go out and get drunk.
0: Well, Brittany, did, did reading the story, I, I, not to tell stories uh, out of school, but my sense is that you're not a huge Ed Sheeran fan. Uh, <laughs> um, the, did reading this story change the way you see Ed at all?
2: Well, I think my problems with Ed aren't with him as, like, a a, a figure. Yeah, like, I love Patrick's story because I feel like I got to know a lot about him that I genuinely didn't know. I feel like he's one of those cultural figures that I really, like, as a musician, I'm very familiar with his music because he's written for so many of the artists that I do love and do listen to, and um, his music has gotten so pervasive, and as you point out in the story, he is genuinely the biggest male pop star out there it's like him and Justin Bieber have created this dichotomy of male yeah. pop stars yeah. and i think that part of the d- dichotomy that he created is what i hate and also i don't like his music very much but i do like <laughs> some of <laughs> i do like some of his songs i don't mm-hmm. like some of the songs he's written for other artists but i do like love yourself is really great um the Justin Bieber song i think he wrote the worst one direction song little things mm. um his collaboration with taylor swift was really great um but yeah like a lot of the solo music it just Someone on Twitter said like a lot of it would sound better sung by someone else, and I agree oh, with shit. that. <laughs> but I do like I think I really enjoyed learning about him as a human being because I think that was like what I loved getting to know about him. I
1: didn't I didn't fully appreciate him as a musician mm-hmm. until he literally sat down with a guitar and played the songs because the production you know you don't you never really know with pop the, mm-hmm. the is what, what's been done yeah. done to it, but he can play for two hours. Um, and it was mostly unreleased songs that no one has ever heard before so the fact that he could do that at the drop of a hat was was pretty impressive to me and and there's not much of um you know he's a he's a guy who likes to go out to the bar and and Mm -hmm. has his friends and he seems like a regular guy but the fact that he can write um these incredibly catchy songs that people so many people respond to he has this gift for that um it's hard to square those two things things up
2: yeah because i definitely do think he has such a talent for melody like brian had said i think that um There are a lot of songs like listening to Divide and there are so many songs on there that just have gotten stuck in my head already and he's so good at like catching that like pop hook really well. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like I think that was also the the success with Thinking Out Loud and Mm -hmm. Love Yourself and a lot of those songs. Um, He's very good at just like creating earworms.
1: In shape shape of you you don't yeah. realize that that's when you first hear that song I, I when I first heard it I didn't like it or mm. it didn't it didn't stick with me but then after the first three or four times it's all literally all that's lit in your head yeah. for like days
2: that is
0: just the dumbest song man
2: it, it just, <laughs> it's I actually mean... my favorite song from the album <laughs> but which' it's so I'm like... catchy it's, it
1: is so it
0: is so catchy but it's just I mean it makes your body as the Wonderland look like you know I mean it, it's just I, I don't know like like lyrically it's like he spent five seconds on the li- he just doesn't really care about lyrics is, is that is that true that's my sense Um, I I think he 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 does he
1: he thinks a lot about lyrics he talked to me a lot about Dylan and Tangled Up in Blue and and studying how (laughs) Dylan wrote those lyrics and that's how he wants to write lyrics um, where there's he, he, I mean, he,
0: I want to, I want to fly, but I'm not going to do that either. He's yeah. not going to write lyrics like like Taylor. No, him, but yeah.
1: I know, but he has a respect for that. He, you know, he studies that. He, he, he studies Van Morrison. and he, he,
0: and uh, he, he does. I mean, I, I mean, it's, it's so weird. well. I would say one of the things, and I, I want to play some clips from your uh, interviews eventually, but one of the things that struck me about this album is the opening track, Eraser. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like this it seems primarily influenced by this sort of drake approach to pop stardom in the sense that it's like here's an update on (laughs) on me like here's my solipsistic sort of view of myself and how hard it is to be me and and i I found it off-putting yeah Um. (laughs)
1: because there's nothing else on the album like it
0: yeah well that's not what i found i found it off-putting as a it's just like it feels very, and I, I I thought about this in advance. I'm in the I was going to be in a room with two millennials. I'm in the room with two millennials. <laughs> it does feel very stereotypically like the worst kind of millennial stereotype of of like total. Narcissism. I, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that that's the stereotype is legitimate, mm-hmm. but I'm saying it, it <laughs> that particular thing. And I think Drake also matches that. It's just you're in a hall of mirrors where it's like, and here's more about myself. Like, and, and that's the only. And I, I feel like Ed's a little bit caught in that lyrically because it's always about everything's about his dad and his mom and his grandparents, and that's like the only world that exists. to Him. It's mm-hmm. just like this, and and then it's uh, I'm, I'm actually now embarking on a rant that's way more than. <laughs> but I I guess no, it's that, and that that song that sounds that that everyone says. Sounds like you too, and doesn't sound anything like you too. Oh, Castle on the hill. Yeah, it does not sound anything like you 2 can we, can, we, can we play that song? And, and I, it has someone strumming a guitar in sixteenth notes. So everyone's like, it sounds like you too. It's like, I mean, I, like I can strum a guitar for you in sixteenth notes. I'm not playing a fucking You 2 song. <laughs> like it, it's like it's like it's like now people don't even remember what anything sounds like anymore. Like 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 oh, he evokes the best of You Too. Like no, he does not. And, and then, I, I mean, I kind of like this song, but it sounds more like. And I think actually our reviewer uh, more uh, correctly, you know, it sounds like more like the the latest Mumford album, like, like, Mm -hmm. okay, sort of vaguely U2-ish. But anyway, Mm -hmm. I had another point about that song, but I started ranting about that. Let's hear a little
3: bit of that. When I was six years old, I broke my leg. I was running from my brother and his I kind of want to say something
2: about the Mumford thing because I'm glad that you brought that up. Because Go for it. Yeah. And then over. Yeah. That sort of Mumford and Sons, like, folk revival of, like, what was that, like, 2009, 2010 ish, like, yeah. maybe a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. has had such a weird effect on pop music mm-hmm. in, like, a way that's been, like, really surreal and shocking to me. And, like, the way that, like, it's, there is, like, this kind of, like, rootsier like uprising in like the pop charts that's kind of like bubbling under like they don't yeah. really hit as big as like you know like any like super dance pop songs or whatever but they're there like they are kind of holding it down like James Bay was like on the mm-hmm. charts for months um What's his name? Vance Joy was on the charts for months. Yeah. Um, well,
1: all those people are have t- are Ed Sheeran kind of ripoffs, and
2: it's like Ed Sheeran and John Mayer have become the two biggest influences for singer songwriters, especially teenage yeah. or early 20s singer songwriters like Shawn mm-hmm. Mendes, Alessia Cara. Like yeah. they all cite John Mayer and Ed Sheeran, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's so fascinating that like, like John Mayer like was very quick, I feel, to move away from pop in his career. Like he. Least a couple of pop hit singles, and he moved away really quickly. He was like, I'm a blues man. Like, he's like, he was,
0: I don't know. I, I Actually, it could be a total side discussion. Yeah. I think it's as much as pop moved away from him, because then he, he went back and tried to, you know, like he also yeah. had a bunch of, like, for example, that Katy Perry duet. Exactly. So, so, so it also it was, was still, like, yeah,
2: I, but I seriously, Yeah, like yeah. it was definitely like. He
0: wanted to be both, but yeah.
2: Yeah, it was less um, chart driven, or like less pop driven, or less like Only hit-driven. Again,
0: only because he kept failing on the charts. <laughs> but yeah, but, but yes. But
2: um, <laughs> it's weird because I feel like most of the male pop star sort of mode of the like early 2000s has been in the vein of Justin Timberlake and the R&B inflection and the sort of hip-hop influence and it's interesting that when Ed Sheeran popped that he really found this great niche to sort of stick into that mm-hmm. John Mayer, again, like failed at really in the pop charts and like the post-Justin Timberlake, the like Biebers and everything were really succeeding in and then that kind of shifted a lot of what our idea of male pop stars are now.
0: That's mm-hmm. a really good point and mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, among the things I, I'm sort of playing like I, I hate Ed and I really don't actually and I, I think and that it's, that song is a good example because even if there's something obviously there is something that about him that irritates people and and probably sometimes for good reason but then sometimes you kind of hear it even the song that you're prepared to hate and you're kind of like oh, I kind of like it you know it's it's a I, I know that song grows on you I, like I know it. I know I know Matt our producer like has a has a has a huge sort of man crush actually on that chair right really Matt? isn't it yeah I just think he 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 writes like good good catchy
3: pop songs yeah see you yeah. know I don't think there's anything that's sophisticated about it but it just I could just enjoy them in their simplicity
0: yeah mm-hmm. fair enough um you know there there you go and I, I think I bet you weren't I bet you weren't seeking to become an Ed Sheeran fan. He just drew you in with those, those puppy dog eyes just stared at you and you just were drawn in. <laughs> I, if you've seen our cover, he's just kind of, I feel like our cover is the look. It's like it's like five minutes into Ed Sheeran and chill when he gives you that look, you know? Um, so anyway, this, 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 is, this, is, this is Rolling Stone Music now. We are talking about Ed Sheeran and we will be right back. So I, I want to finish my my rant about um, the what, what is the name of the U two sounding song? i I've just blanking. Uh, Castle out. on the Castle hill. Castle on the hill. There's too many song titles. Um, there's like a hundred songs on this album as usual. So I I think it's interesting that it it's a little bit in the vein of Twenty One Pilots' "Stressed Out" in the sense that it's like remember when I was a kid and i want to kind of hide hide under the covers and it it's it's definitely speaks to some kind of millennial mood out there so i, I don't know it, it it does also show sort of his his frame of reference again is like his childhood, his grandparents, his parents, mm-hmm. and it's like it, it's a very like closed off world. Which actually, it just occurs to me, might be part of a, of his appeal to yeah. some of his mm-hmm. younger, fa- especially to his very young fan base. It yeah. resembles their world. That's their world too. So actually, that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's
2: very Taylor Swiftian in the sense of mm-hmm. like kind of closing it into this very personal sort of like this is my very close-knit group of people in my life and I'm going to sing about them.
0: I feel like I was actually... I had the same thought and I was thinking, like, why do I like the way Taylor does it better? Mm -hmm. And I think one reason is because... Taylor is better at dramatizing it Yes, you know and and I mean obviously that's she's very good at dramatizing Mm -hmm. you know so that maybe that's why she can dramatize and make it into archetypes whereas with Mm -hmm. Ed you just literally think he's singing about his grandma.
2: And she (laughs) also moved away from that too. And
0: she has as well yeah. Yeah. Um, So Patrick I think we're going to play some some clips of Mm -hmm. of Ed Sheeran so Ed Sheeran himself can uh, join the debate and (laughs) make the case for himself as a great dude. Um, So what's what's the uh, first clip you'd like to play? I think the
1: first one that I want to play is, um, this was taken backstage at at SNL and he was talking a little bit about. Um, we were talking about how he, he had sort of had a stutter as a kid, and he he was a, a ginger and was a lot of reasons kid that he uh, sort of was ostracized, you know, when he was young. And so um, he think I guess he, being
0: c- c- just stop me for a second. I, I, one of the things I realized, I guess in the UK, is being a ginger yeah. like it's an actual sort of like oppressed group in yeah. his mind. Is yeah, that like no, really? it is, I think yeah.
1: it is generally uh, from looking it up online. It's a it's it's sort
0: of um you know it's it's it's, it's not good huh okay <laughs> <laughs> huh, uh, yeah uh, right i, I was, yeah anyway okay cool so anyway so it's about him being beat up and stuff for forever he was here. talking about yeah.
1: that and then yeah. uh we we got into a discussion about how that affects his his, uh, his drive to you know be successful and he thinks he kind of attributes it back to that so here he is talking about that okay oh yeah the, the, being the first to do something you're all, you you like to 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 be the first to put sell Wembley for three nights stuff like that why what do you what why do you like having is it just you like to have goals or what is it yeah best?
3: well i like going back to primary school again yeah. i never won anything Eight o five i was i never won anything i was never the best at anything uh i was i was always the worst at everything i was always bottom of the class last to be picked uh not very intelligent always like didn't really do well in my exams and this is the one thing that i can do really well at and mm-hmm. i can be the best at you know mm-hmm. and i can be the first to do this and the, and win this and do that and sell this and so, and th- this is the one thing i can mm. excel at mm-hmm. um, which is why i put the kind of such importance on it
1: is there any any time that you remember being a kid like 9 9 o'clock, nine, 9 years old or 10 when you remember is a, a little incident that were was just like
3: the what an example of what you're talking about uh i don't know really i just i just remember like i just remember never ever never ever being put in i was i was always a substitute on yeah. the bench for uh-huh. football or rugby or yeah or whatever uh mm-hmm. never i never like they did like school awards mm-hmm. for like prowess and mm-hmm. being clever never won one of, like it was just mm-hmm. i think it all dates back to that -hmm. Yeah, which I think think everything does in childhood. And my um, my childhood was largely like really fun, Mm -hmm. which is why like I'm not super fucked up. That was just an element of it that has stayed with me, and um, I actually think it's a good thing because all of that failure in childhood has led to a lot of success in later life. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm I I bet Bill Gates had a similar thing when he was a kid. Yeah. Do you? I bet he never got fucking picked for sports games. (laughs) A and then of, went, fuck you, I'm going to make a computer. A lot of other successful people around you have that same thing, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, t- I mean Taylor yeah. t- Taylor talks about it all the time. Yeah. I don't think she had a fun time in high school at all. Yeah, And that's definitely, like, worked out in her favor. Yeah,
0: yeah. Huh, okay. So he was, yeah, so he was treated uh, poorly for his...
3: But it's not just
0: that he was treated poor. He actually wasn't even... He basically... I think buried in there is an interesting thing. He he wasn't a good student. He wasn't a good athlete. He wasn't good mm-hmm. at anything really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was just sort of like he saw himself sort of as a, like a loser, and he found this one thing that he's good at, which is, of course, the story of a lot of a lot of artists. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot of successful people. I, I like his his, his Bill Gates. <laughs> <I think> it's, <laughs> it's weirdly funny. Um, and then, so what el- what else should we play from your interview? What else you got? Um,
1: I'd like to play the one where he's talking about his sort of future plans. This kind of shows how how. Uh, Forward-looking and ambitious, he is. He wanted to uh, create a, bo- a boy band, um, and sort of uh, like you know Simon Cowell created One Direction. He he sort of uh, was asked by his label to write some songs for another band, and he said, "Well, why don't I just do it myself and create this band and put it on my record label?" And um, and then he he goes into talking about some other things he wants to do in in the future of his career.
0: All right, let's hear that.
3: I'm putting yeah. together a boy band, though. Really? Yeah. Putting together a boy band. I want. Coming I've up got, 15 minutes coming I've up got on all these songs that I was uh, to dress rehearsal. saving to pitch, like all these like really really decent songs. Um, and then I was kind of like, the label have given me a record label. I have a stadium tour coming up next year. Yeah. And I have a bunch of really good songs. Why don't I just do it myself? So I'm going to put put three or four boys together and um, do all the songs, take them on the stadium tour, and. Uh, See, see what happens wow I think that I going to that oh sorry um, yeah so that's that, that's the next step trying to and I'm not talking like I don't like I I want it to be super pop I want I, I, I want it to be um, obviously obviously credible like the songs the songs will be good but it'll be like the One Direction thing I talked about they will have really really good songs yeah. but like I love NSYNC and I love Backstreet Boys and I would love to be able to Create something like that. Wow! I think. How I are you gonna I'll find be, them? Uh, we're in the process at the moment. We're doing auditions at at the moment. Um, yeah, I think it'll be. Uh, and
1: you're gonna write the songs for them, basically. I've got all the
3: songs written. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. All of them. I got I got asked to write for it. The, the idea actually came. I got asked to write for a new boy band, and then wrote loads of songs, and then was like, "Fuck, I should just I should just do it," because it can't it can't be that. It can't be that difficult. You just, if they if they have good songs and you get them to do the promo trips over and over and over and over, like like I did, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure it would eventually work. Plus, I've got people like Gab, Gabby and mm-hmm. Stu and Kev and everyone who do know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Do you have a name for them? No. Yeah. I think I'd like them to come up with their own name. Yeah. Yeah. W- do you want them to be all separate or like a group of guys that
1: gro- to know each other from school or something? I don't
3: know. Yeah. I don't know. So the, they're going to do the stadium tour next. This, uh, if they get put together in time, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it might take a lot longer than a year to find. But it's de- that's definitely like the next thing that I'm yeah. hoping to do. So when are you booked until?
0: Like, so, uh, man, you grilled him on the boy band. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, like, how will there be a blonde dude and a brunette dude? You're, 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 you're that. Well, it was interesting. No, I it thought. is interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, that shows. I think a lot, of, what do you think that says about him, Brittany? I think it says a lot about, it's a little crass, and it's a little brilliant, yeah. and yeah.
2: It's very, it was a very interesting part, especially hearing the entire context of it was, um, was interesting, because he was just like, yeah, it will be pretty easy to put them together and then <laughs> go on tour, because it's actually, that was like kind of the downfall of every boy band, is that they kind of got stuck together, and then they break up in like two years, but um, yeah, like, I, I'm looking forward to whatever boy band he wants to put together, because I feel like his songs would sound so good with like, A group or anything like New Man sounded very um, Backstreet Mm Boys-ish to me. Like later years Backstreet Boys and like Galway Girl and stuff like that did sound very Mm -hmm. pop boy Mm band-esque. So yeah,
0: Uh, New Man is the one is yeah. It's about the uh, douchey. Like kind of new boyfriend. That's actually my favorite song on the album because yeah. it has a genuine sort of. It, he lets the nice guy thing, which actually the same way reason I like Love Yourself mm-hmm. is because he lets the the faux nice guy thing slip and is a little bit nasty yeah. in a way that feels much more genuine, mm-hmm. and it and it gets at something real, which is he's like an unconventional looking pop star. And he, when you're kind of playing in the leagues he's playing in romantically, a lot of your rivals are gonna be like, you know, Greek gods compared to you. And I, I bet that's a really, and that, that feels real to me. That he mm-hmm. that he has insecurities about his appearance and his feeling. I, that feels like real and kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. And And... But I, I actually think the boy band thing plays into that because he's like, I'll just get some like perfect looking dudes to sing my songs, and mm-hmm. it will be really big. And I, I think that that's sort of, and the, I love the sort of contempt with which he's like, I'll let them choose the name. Like that's <laughs> the, the these like <laughs> these he's like we like, will
2: set them on some promo tours, <laughs> right? Right.
0: It's uh, it, that's 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 really interesting to me. I mean, he he's. Uh, and he he also must be incredibly prolific if he's already like written an entire album of songs for a, yeah. mm-hmm. a non-existent boy band. I know he is. He I don't know when he
1: finds the time to write because when I recently just saw him, he'd been in Germany, then uh, L.A., and then New York, all in three days. And and that's what he's like all the time. It's it's crazy. So I don't. I, I've never. I'm curious when he he actually writes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, do we have
0: we have one more uh, audio clip? The audio is so bad.
2: Okay,
1: the quality. I think we should just not do okay. it. Okay,
0: it's, it's even worse than that. But <laughs> but the cool thing about that one actually was that I, you got to hear the announcement uh, in the uh, SNL dressing room of of like the, of fifty minutes to rehearsal. Yeah. So, so it's a little yeah. a little uh, you know audio verite of what it's like to, <laughs> to be on Saturday Night Live. But we're we're full service here on Wrongstone Music yeah. now. Do you think he's bugged by the perception that he is like the king of the friend zone, because that that plays into the idea, the nice guy idea, um, when actually he seems to be a little bit of a a ladies man. Yeah. So do you you, you get a sense that he kind of wanted people to know that he's not Mr. Friend Zone, that he's actually kind of like very successful in that area?
1: Mm, Maybe, but he didn't This is a part of the story where he talks about going on tour with with Taylor, and she took him on a stadium tour in 2012, and that was his big Big break, um, and so he talked about you know hooking up with some of her her squad in the story, <laughs> and uh, so I I kind of pressed him on that. So it wasn't like he was offering it up, but he, he I think that he definitely doesn't mind that that's out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, were there really rumors that he dated Taylor? Because he seemed to make a point of denying that. And I, I, I was like, did anyone ever think yeah. that? Okay. All right. There were
1: <laughs> t- there were some TMZ <laughs> stories. I think they stayed in a, the same hotel or something. It, people thought that. That, that they, would yeah.
0: be a funny thing to preemptively deny that if no one had ever like said it about you. Like i you know, just for the record, like you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to date Taylor Swift. It, it was yeah. just, okay. So he wasn't just. He, <laughs> yeah.
2: Those are, They have come up again and again over the years that he's toured with her. Right. Or since, well, since he's toured with her.
0: Right, um, because his publicist plants it. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
2: so he, he is, I mean, he
0: is a little bit, was he actually a little bit of an alpha male in, in mm-hmm. your, you know, more of a bloke, more yeah. of actually, like, not really, like, kind of like this, like, wimpy nice guy image does that actually kind of really yeah, inaccurate
1: a lot of his friends as he says are lads and yeah. he's sort of sort of one himself and sort of not he's a little bit removed so he can sort of write about about that life um so yeah he, he is um he's very fun to be around it's all always he always just likes to have fun going out to dinners three-hour dinners ordering shots at dinner staying out until until 1 a.m when he has uh you know howard stern the next day He he, he doesn't it's a lot of st- uh, neurotic stuff doesn't bother him. He just likes to, to have fun in the moment. And uh, so, the, and he, you know, he tells dirty jokes and drinking songs and buying you drinks. And if you have two drinks... And you know, if he orders you a second beer and you haven't finished the first one, he'll say you're, you're double parked, mate. And then you have to, f- and then then he'll start a drinking song. So it's a little. Exa- I'm so glad you did this story <laughs>
0: and not me, Patrick. I, I just, <laughs> this like, but but yeah, no, I can see the right. Yeah, he's, he's like a fun. He's like a, a nice frat boy. Yeah, yeah. And, and and or superficially the nice guy <laughs> frat boy, whereas Justin is like the obvious. Justin Bieber is obviously the evil frat boy. But but to you, Brittany, they're both. the, the, the that dichotomy is false right
2: what do you mean the, that,
0: well because that's the dichotomy you're talking about is yeah. like like Bieber's the bad boy and Ed Sheeran's the nice guy is that sort of what you were talking about when you were no, talking just about just like oh. the
2: musical lanes that oh the musically oh, yeah okay. musically they that's create this dichotomy what, but they're really yeah. just the same type mm. of like frat boy yeah. to me because yeah. I think that that's what that's what gets me the most annoyed about Ed Sheeran's lyrics and something <laughs> that you brought up earlier yeah. with the nice guy sort of personality thing and like when he gets nasty with it like the song Don't which is like Mm -hmm. hated that song so much and he starts rapping and it's just like Why did you hate that song? I just I think that like that whole sort of You sound so hurt, pat it. No, no, I was just curious. I was just curious. No, no, I'm not hurt like, at all. No, no. The crux of it is like he's like <laughs> <laughs> this like sort of wounded ego uh-huh. of like if this woman doesn't love me here are the things that are wrong with her and wrong with the guy that she is with. Mm-hmm. That is not me. Yeah, That is like the stuff that annoys me with like mm-hmm. his lyrics. And that's why I don't like Love Yourself is a catchy song but I think that that carries over into that and like this whole idea of just like if she doesn't love me therefore like Every all of her choices are trash, and if they're they don't relate to me.
0: Mm. I guess what I like about love yourself, and I think weirdly in this case, I might prefer it as an expression from Ed Sheeran mm. because I can sympathize more with an Ed Sheeran who feels that way <laughs> than a Justin Bieber, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I just it's just. Fits his persona better with Bieber, although I actually really—that's my favorite Justin Bieber song. It's really mm. a, a, an Ed Sheeran song, and I, I, I just I actually really like everything about the song. I have to say, like the production mm-hmm. and the—I—I the, I, I understand the tinge of the the problematic nature of the lyrics to be sh- for sure. But right, and that works better. For, again, works better for me from Ed because it's like you can—I'm willing to give Ed that bitterness, whereas Biebs, I'm like, come on, Biebs, like it's just <laughs> like really like like you know like like I, I just don't buy it from him. Yeah. But, I mean, we should get at the fact that critics, for the most part, do not like Ed Sheeran. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple points. There was a, a, a kind of amusingly vicious uh, pitchfork review by Laura Snapes uh, this morning that, that I think they gave it like a 2.3 and said it's horrible, which mm-hmm. is funny. Um, and you, Patrick, brought up the fact that critics don't like him, or at least he addressed yeah. it with you. And his answer is like basically like Eric Clapton likes me, right? Right. Yeah. Elton John. But Elton John is like his manager. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> I would
0: like him too a lot if I was if I had. To, but but yes. um, when I did the yeah. Keith
1: Richards uh, yeah. story, uh, I asked Keith what new music do you like, and usually he says you know Chuck Berry. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this time he said Ed Sheeran, and he said that he made a lot of interesting points. Ed, Ed, he's a one man band. He plays stadiums with a four hundred dollar travel guitar, tiny guitar. Mm-hmm uh he plays stadiums alone with that and a loop pedal and it's just why why does he use the shitty guitar um he said it, it what's well, small it, it stands out he he likes any any it's what what he what he played back when he was playing pubs he, he said that you know anything that helps him stand out so he said you know elton always says why don't you get a band he'll sound so much more polished and yeah. professional that would be easier to play these two-hour shows but he said that you know i have ginger hair i have a travel guitar um, I don't look like other pop stars. Anything that helps me stand out—that's uh, what he says.
0: The tra- you know what—it's so weird. Like the the travel guitar, which I didn't realize. Yeah. that annoys me. Because Why? It, there's something self-effacing about it. This like thing, like I don't even have a real guitar, mate. And it's like, come on, like you can afford like a thousand guitars. I know, like, but
1: Willie Nelson has played the same guitar for yeah, but four like, years. but that
0: guitar sounds great. It's a real guitar.
1: But there's something about the
0: sound of this guitar. It's it's, it's all right. Fair it's, enough. I mean, because I have a travel guitar, I hate it. So I don't uh-huh. I don't get it. But yeah, uh-huh. that, that's it. There's a certain. And I think this is sort of what one of the things that Pitchfork really got at. There's this like weird, like sort of like I'm just one of you, mate, thing that's a little bit condescending in mm-hmm. his, or can come off as condescending. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I think your sense is, and it, and this is an interesting thing because I'm often in your position, yeah. Patrick, which is I've spent a ton of time with art, whatever artist, and I tend to see them more as an actual human being, which is they, which they are, um, and so I I don't recognize often. When in, in the cases of those artists, the kind of like cultural studies artifact that people make of them in their mind, because I'm like, no, it's a person who thinks this, and so this is an interesting case where I'm I've never even met him, yeah, like I've never even been in the same room as him, so I'm I can come at this more like a regular person and just be like I don't know, whereas you really have a more nuanced view, and and you know, you, and and uh, so th- your sense is that it's more complicated than that, right?
1: Yeah, um, he just. Just the fact—I mean, he—he—he he, he wasn't didn't didn't act like other artists usually act. Usually, other artists don't ask; they don't care to ask you questions. Like he's always he like he he heard I did this Kid Rock story and I told him about how Kid Rock shot these pigs and then he pulled up the video. He he was so interested. He we talked about it over and over and over again. <laughs> Would he becomes sort of obsessed with these little things like that and he was kind of fascinated with well, tell a- the, Alabama. The, the,
0: the, the set, well, separately, that I mean, I, I do think this is a case where. Um it is a very interesting anecdote, and also to someone from England. I mean, tell, just separately, tell the Kid Rock Pig anecdote. Because um, for, for, for someone from England, this is like another planet, yeah, so please. Yeah, so that's why it was interesting. Um,
1: a couple years ago I went down to to Alabama for a story and to meet Kid Rock and he he was texting me that morning I have a a surprise for you and I had no idea what the surprise was Um, so I drove it was like 10 miles down one one road got to his he lives in a trailer got there we got um, he made me a sandwich we got on a four-wheeler and went deep into the woods and there was a cage with three pigs in the cage
0: I, I would just warn the listeners i was laughing but i forgot actually how dark a turn this takes so <laughs> yeah. so please, please continue patrick um
1: so uh kid rock um he had caught he said these pigs have been tearing up the land he had been saying that the whole ride to into the woods and then and then we saw i saw these pigs and uh he point blank executed all three of them in the cage and uh and, the, and ed was just stunned that 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 could even happen, and he was curious who Kid Rock is. He started looking up his music videos, (laughs) and it just—it was really interesting. Um, And I had to explain. And Sharon didn't know who Kid Rock was. He knew he knew the name, but he didn't. I mean, he's he he was uh what 1999? Oh how God. old was he? he it's was a like Brit- British thing too. He's not. Yeah,
0: I, I'm not sure yeah. how, how much of a profile he has yeah. uh, in the UK. But yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk about not translate. So he was just. This is like basically the most horrifying thing. I, I mean, I'm horrified. Yeah. I, I, I I almost regret. I forgot. I almost. I was like, there's something funny with a pig, but then I forgot how. So yeah, but he, but the larger point is uh, well, uh, you you yeah. asked about the
1: complicated yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> okay, so just the, the one thing I wanted to try to get across in the story is basically after all the success of his last album, he decided to go dark after the Grammys. He what decided he met his high re uh, connected with a high school his high school girlfriend. They uh, went and traveled the world together for a year, and he threw away his cell phone and everything, and now and that was the best year of his life it seems like he he he's pretty sure i you know he he's going to have kids with with cherry his girlfriend and he's very you know much happier than i had. i had sort of interviewed him here and there over the years and i had never um connected with him but now i kind of he was seemed much happier as the song on the album goes and um so this he sort of now he has he's in this relationship and he's about to go on this four month tour tour that's actually going to take him into 2019 and he sort of Going back into what um, what he wanted to get away from in the first place, so it's sort of um, that's sort of the the the, the story, and it, it's it's he has a complicated relationship with that idea, I think.
0: And I did, you know, the truth is coming. away, I think like Brittany coming. I've, I've been kidding around a little bit, but the, coming away from the story, I, I did I, certainly. I liked him as a human being and got a rounder sense of him. Ed Sheeran can command a stadium with his crappy guitar and his voice and that I mean that's the kind of thing you mm-hmm. have to admire uh, Brittany you saw him recently and yeah liked, I saw
2: yeah. him um I want to say two summers ago when he was on tour and he played Forest Hill Stadium and I mean it was a great show I mean going into it I still like didn't really like a lot of the songs from his albums and I was just like like I was still really enamored with what was happening on stage and I think just being able to be up there by himself with the loop pedal with his with his guitar and like just captivate and keep silent, like an entire stadium of teen girls, was incredible. Like it was just like, that was the entire audience around Mm me. Yeah, that
0: makes sense. I mean, he, I mean, I think think the thing that's impressive about him is just sheer craft. Mm -hmm. Songwriting, performance. You know he he's just he's just really good at it. Do yeah. You? And you, and you, what was that concert? Your little two-hour private middle of the night concert like? Was it was it enjoyable? It was pretty
1: incredible. Yeah.
0: Uh, as it got to like an hour and forty-five minutes, were you getting sleepy or were you enjoying yourself?
1: Uh, no, I, I didn't really get. It was it was sort of you were sort of running on, on adrenaline because I just got we had been he would gotten off the red eye and I had just gotten in and so, but it was it was fun. It was with his old high school friends. And they, he does this a lot. I guess he goes and gets the guitar, and um, and I think Howard at Stern asked him the other day because he he read the story and said, "Is that because of your you're insecure and you need something to do with a group of people?" <laughs> and he said, "No, I just like to do it because I like to get people's opinions on the songs because they were all new songs that they hadn't heard before." Wow. And then he gets their his old really close. They they go on vacation. He just he just bought a, a place in Tuscany and took them out to, over New Year's for a vacation. They seem to have these amazing. They they went through uh, I think seven hundred pints in a week or something like that, uh, but but yeah so so it was it was pretty incredible because it stripped back everything even the loop pedal stuff so it was just him and acoustic guitar and. And I said what about love yourself and then he played the original version
0: of of love yourself and which is fuck yourself. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so he did that. Was that a jo- I mean it really was, right? I mean that was how it was originally written. Yeah, yeah. And did he intend it for another artist like Rihanna or something? Is mm-hmm. that it? Yeah,
1: he said he could imagine Rihanna saying if you like the way you look that much then you should go and fuck yourself. He right. could see the attitude and that you know somebody like Rihanna saying that.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was but it wasn't actually written for Rihanna. That, that that's what people got the I like don't think so. I think okay. that he just imagined what her shape of that. you was. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Again, that would I would have that I would have been, been more comfortable with Brianna singing cause it cuz it would have yeah. gotten away from the your body is a wonderland kind of ickiness of, mm-hmm. of like the dude singing it.
2: And yeah. Yeah, so I think like a would to make a great pop savant like he would like really be great with like behind the like Which he is totally, as well. Yeah, but yeah like yeah. I think like that boy band anecdote like I think that is something that he could be really effective at. Like mm-hmm. he's a great songwriter on a lot of levels with like pop melodies and so I think that could be really interesting.
1: But it sort of lost how big he is in his own. People think of mm-hmm. him still as a behind the scenes type guy right. but mm-hmm. he's gonna, he might, outsell adele in the uk in her for mm-hmm. in the first week right and Good that's point. Yeah. In the um in 97 is the person you have to go back to oasis in 97 to find the numbers i think,
0: it, I think it's our ginger prejudice that yeah. leads us to overlook <laughs> yeah
1: no it's it, it, he's he's getting to like an adele
0: level and and that's sort of the goal i guess for him but it's it's pretty impressive it is impressive what what was your biggest takeaway from spending time with him what 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 was the, the biggest thing that kind of surprised you or that you learned from, from hanging out with that Sharon for five years? Um I liked how open he, he was. He would he really didn't hold back and um And that is and I will say that is you know what that is what you love as a profile writer. Yeah. Is, and then it, you know, it's it's um a surefire way suddenly everything seems better about them if you get real access you know unless they're like a serial killer or or even or even if they are a pit killer apparently you still will come away (laughs) and because if you if they're open with you then you can see life and art from their perspective and i think that's what would happen My,
1: my favorite memory i think was um i met him at heathrow airport and we drove uh an hour and a half into the countryside, into uh, Oxford, and we went to go see his girlfriend play um, field hockey. And he comes every week to this to, to watch her play field hockey. And then we he had a mini car, and we drove back to, to London, and he was giving two people from the team a ride home, talking about how he just got his license, and it just was such a regular moment. Yeah. And we were like, wait, this guy just played three nights at Wembley Stadium, but he's just mm-hmm. talking to them, her about her job at a... At a um, Oil plant or something. I don't it just was so weird to hear to uh to to see him in a regular moment like that.
0: Yeah, I mean well, one of the things, and I think that's hopefully what um what Rolling Stone profiles can do at their best uh, is. Remind people of the humanity. I mean, just because you play Wembley Stadium, you still have to wake up in the morning, in a bed, and like go mm-hmm. to the bathroom and be a person, just like everyone else. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, they they are human beings. They're not just objects for our think pieces as much as uh, I, I myself have been like sort of think basing him for the last hour. Like he's he's <laughs> like a he 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 is a he is human. Damn it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean. It, will you go uh, will you go uh, see him next time he's in, in town? Or I hope you so. Yeah.
1: Um I went to go see him play Webster Hall the other night and somebody something someone uh the guy from Snow Patrol, Johnny McDade who writes a bunch of the hits with Ed, he said that Ed doesn't really remind him of other pop people. He said he has more of a punk rock attitude, which I know people would laugh at, but <laughs> um but but playing with the travel guitar, playing Ed, Ed didn't like the sound on stage. That night at Webster Hall, so he went into into the um, audience. It was a serious show, and he uh, had a chair put in the middle of the audience, and he did four songs uh, with no microphone or anything, and it, and that was the best part of the show.
0: See, that's really cool. That yeah. actually, you know what? That, that is really cool, and and it sounds like, you know, I and the other thing is, I'm pretty sure Ed Sheeran will still be around in ten years. I, I have a feeling, you yeah. know, whether it's yeah. you know, th- that's that's the thing, and and I'd love to see him go a little deeper lyrically. That's what El- Elton
1: said. You're going to hear a, a deeper. Ed in a, in a few years, he thinks. It's you
0: know he he is really young. On the other hand, Bob Dylan was the same age when he made like Blonde on Blonde, so I'm not going to like give him <laughs> too many points. And Kendrick is like the same age as him, and he's making much deeper things, so I'm not going to give him any points. Um. So, but anyway, Ed Sheeran, very talented, very human. Mm-hmm. Uh, Read Patrick's uh, Rolling Stone cover story, which is on newsstands now and online. And uh, you know, this has been Rolling Stone Music. Now we'll be back. Next week at 1 p.m. on SiriusXM Volume. And in the meantime, download our podcast at longstonecom slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon.